0: everybody, Welcome back to Cover B.
1: Welcome back to Cover B. We are here with graphic novelties. Yes. We are with T it's talking me. about graphic novelties.
0: It's me talking about the novelties. <laughs> Today we've got a really
1: interesting one. This is called uh, Leon Notes on a Life. Uh, it is written by uh, Carmine. Di Gian Domenico and Francesco Calafella. And they also have the art credits. So I guess they both took part in the art as well. So it was created by those two folks. Um, And apologies if I butchered the names. Uh, Leone focuses on a gentleman uh, who is referred to as Leon, which I suppose is lion in Italian. Yes. It might be Leone. I don't know. I don't know Italian. That's true. Um, but he is a big burly intense looking dude uh the book opens with him leaving his sweetheart in new york as he goes to play in a new year's eve jazz competition um he is a trumpet player he gets on stage kind of just meditates for a while and then lets out like a very short and sweet melody from his his horn that enraptures everybody And in the midst of the beautiful note that he lets out, this beautiful blues that he unleashes upon the world, we get a look at his past, present, and future of his entire life. So he puts his whole passion, his whole soul into that. And that's where we see who this man really is. He, as a kid, he had a fairly traumatic experience where he actually participated in saving someone from drowning. Um, He then at some point... Joined the Italian military, came back home to find out that while he was away, uh, his mother had died, and his father is an absolute jerk. And no one told him that his mom had died. Reconnects with his like childhood sweetheart. He also has a cousin, I think, named Orso, who is one of his best friends. Uh, reconnects with his sweetheart, but then finds his way off to America, the shining, gilded streets of America, to make some money. Does some civil work, starts building skyscrapers, eventually gets called back to Italy to fight in World War I, uh, at some point returns to New York before deciding in 1940 that he's going to, uh, return to Italy for good after New Year's. He says goodbye to his sweetheart, does said jazz thing, and then we get to see a little glimpse into the future as he and his family, uh what they're up to during the events of World War II, wherein one of his sons gets drafted to the front. We don't see that son anymore after that, so I'm only assuming it didn't go well. Um, And then he and his family also participate in sheltering people from Nazis, and there's a lot of chaos and war-related trauma that happens there. Uh, The whole thing is opened with kind of a foreword that reflects on jazz and the growth of jazz and the blues, as well as the growth of Italian communities in places like New York and Chicago. Um, And then the whole thing closes with a letter from Leone's granddaughter. Real or not, I'm not sure. Uh, This claims to be based on a true story, but, you know, based on a true story can be kind of wide. Um, But it seems pretty legit. It seems like at least the creators knew somebody who had this experience. But it closes with a letter from Leone's granddaughter to Leone Uh, after he had passed um, kind of a posthumous letter thanking him for these very sweet moments that she remembers uh, from her early life. And we actually do see the granddaughter in the book. There's like a random flash in the middle of the book from like 1961 of, uh, I'm taking it, it's from Leon's POV looking at his granddaughter on the beach. And he's holding a newspaper talking about uh, Russian astronauts and stuff. But it's a beautiful book. It's really, really cool. Uh, It's told out of order, you know, non-chronologically. And it's just a really neat, very musical experience. T, what were your thoughts?
0: I really, really enjoyed this book. Um, To be fair, I did find that parts of it were kind of hard to follow because it being non-chronological and the art style changes from kind of mm-hmm. spot to spot. So the story wasn't always hundred percent cohesive to me, but it didn't affect the quality of the book. Um, it was so beautiful. I thought the art was so fantastic and so evocative and emotional. Mm-hmm. And it felt really like it was just dripping with heart and soul. Um, and I thought that was really, really cool. And you know, Not everything... This is one of those graphic novels where they don't tell you everything. Uh, Things are implied. Images are used to kind of create metaphors and implications and things like that. And I, I like that. I don't necessarily think every graphic novel has to be very explicit about what's happening from start to finish and how it happened and the structure of everything. When you're telling, especially in a story like this where you're telling someone's life story they don't remember everything exactly as it was. You Mm. remember how you felt. You remember the flashes of images. You remember um, smells and the way you felt and the way things, you know, weird nuances and, like, flashes of color. And so I think what's cool about this book is that it does a good job of kind of harnessing the experience of having memories and going through your life Mm -hmm. and the and the way that you imagine and think about your life looking back on it yeah um and i think that's really really cool Mm. because there are like weird questions about dates and times and there's certain things that kind of give you um references to timelines because you know he works on the woolworth building so we can look up when that was being constructed and he mentions king kong so we can find out when that came out and so there's like specific points that can help you with a timeline but from by and large it's just sort of like a rush of color and experience the way you would experience Mm -hmm. it as someone who's you know, later days looking yeah. back at your whole it's, life. Yeah,
1: exactly. It's, it's paced really interestingly because like, you know, since this is, this is all supposed to take place in the matter of just like seconds. Of yeah. him tooting out a tune on his trumpet. Yeah. And, um, you know, so we see things kind of happen in flashes and happen at different pacing. And, you know, we only really get the one experience from his childhood because as you get older memories from childhood become harder to reach. Yeah. And, you know, obviously the very like specific, very intense moment from his childhood is something that sticks out to him very, very clearly. And then there's, you know, there's other things that seem to be even repressed. Like, you know, we were talking about, you know, I mentioned that we don't see his son again after he gets sent to the front line. There's no it would very much be a traumatic if if his son died in war and he got the news about it. That would be a traumatic experience that would stick with him. Yeah. We don't see that here. It's repressed. It's kept down. Just like, you know, him going to World War One is like one page. Yeah. The whole war, his whole experience of the war is one page. And then it abruptly cuts to a very photo real shot of him, you know, rocketing out of bed in a nightmare. And, you know, it's because those sorts of memories would be very repressed. Like he wouldn't hold on to those. He would try to avoid those. Same with, you know, there's some some in like at one point he has two kids, probably in like the 1930s, you know, but we're pretty sure that he went to America in like the 1910s, you know, and fought in World War One and stuff. So, like, when did he have these kids? There must have been a time when he was back at back in Italy. Yeah. But we don't see that time and we don't see him leaving. And it might be because it's very sour for him. It's very like not a great memory to have right you know what i mean um there may have been other times that he bounced back to italy too like he may have not spent the whole you know from like 1908 to 1940 in america there may have been other times that he bounced back but it could be that just the memory of those is so foggy and worn down by the fact that he has to go back to america to make more money that it may just be that you know he's repressing those he's holding those back
0: and I love the instances where you have these big, bright splash pages. For instance, the one you mentioned where he's looking at his granddaughter on the beach, because it's such an inconsequential kind of moment in time Mm -hmm. to be just looking at your granddaughter on the beach like it's not like something happened it's not like it was in a you know some sort of big moment but we do as people have these weird instances in our lives where like nothing particularly important happened but you can see that instance so very clearly and i love that that splash page is there because it kind of Mm -hmm. gives that that illusion of like You remember this time period. You don't remember why. You don't know why this is important. It doesn't necessarily have any importance, but this sticks out in your mind and it just does because the mind is weird.
1: (laughs) Yeah, 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 it's cool. And it's, you know, it's fascinating because like amidst the whole thing, like everything's happening very fast. A lot of these memories happen very, very fast. But his memory of first arriving in New York and like getting work, And those first few months and years at New York is very slowly paced. Yeah. Like it's very slow and it's pacing. Everything else is very rapid and then this is kind of very slow. And again, it just goes to, it's a really cool interpretation of how memory works. Especially if you're sat down in a moment of passion, in a moment of transition, and you're told to just like remember everything you can. There would be memories that feel a lot longer and a lot more like fleshed out in detail, whether through the amount of struggle that you went through or just the amount of change, the amount of difference, um, as opposed to ones that really just feel like sudden flashes of images, yeah. sudden flashes of like specific moments. Um, It's cool. And, you know, I like the gaps. I, I appreciate the gaps. This is supposed to be a jazz book. It's him playing jazz. And these are the things that he's playing. These are his notes are being painted in these memories. And jazz in and of itself is very interpretive. It's very, the listener gets as much out of jazz as the player does. You know, the player puts themselves into it and what they want in it, but then the listener gets a lot out of it. Uh, And that's here in this book. There's those gaps and the repressed things and the moments that we don't see. And that leaves a lot of interpretation for the reader to decide kind of like what maybe happened, what maybe went there. Like, we even have, he has a relationship with a woman in New York. You know, he's making money to go support his family back home. And he eventually goes back and joins up with his family and leaves her in New York. But we don't know what the nature of that is. You know what I mean? We don't have much detail aside from seeing her in the beginning and the end and then flashes of her in the middle. But we don't really see them. He didn't dedicate time in his memory to that relationship budding or blooming or growing. Or anything like that. Or existing at all, really. (laughs) don't know the nature of that. Um, Which is interesting. And interpretive. And I like that. You know, I dig that. I think it matches the jazz motif really, really
0: well. Me too. I also really liked the kind of use of color or not color. Mm. um, Because some pieces are like very vibrant and more fleshed out and there's by and large it's mostly just kind of black and white with instances of like variations of red and then there's some parts where for instance like when he's trying to get work the color that's used is like this murky yellowy brown color and it's like that would kind of color everything It it would it does kind of tint things you know what i mean and i think it's interesting the use of color and scarce color and what sticks out in your head as you have these memories and you know chris and i are both synesthesia people we we both have this like ability to relate color to different things and so i feel like it's really interesting that there's like instances of color that's related to certain experiences in this and they're kind of tied together and i think that's just really really cool
1: Mm mm-hmm And I, you know, on that note, I do think it's interesting, the only two parts of his life that are close to fully colored, you know, close to fully colored, and we get a wider range of color, are him coming home from the military and finding that his mother died and no one told him, and kind of reconnecting with his childhood sweetheart, and reconnecting with Orso, and, you know, seeing his father again, and then him being at home during world war ii those are the only two parts in the book where it's like a similar color palette and it's basically fully colored yeah because when he's a kid the people and some of the items are just wash of color to just white with outlines and the world around him is that murky yellow color yeah when he's in new york it's all just black and white very harsh very like rough lines um when he's in new york playing like the the real time color is everything's in purples it's all very purple it's all very gaudy
0: it's super bright
1: and very bright and uh when he there was another memory but no that's it and uh even the splash page with his like Granddaughter is all in black and white so like all his America moments are just like except harsh. for
0: her bow, which we learn in the letter letter later mm-hmm. is red which coordinates with his tie true
1: and the the America uh, the America bits do have flashes of red, which I thought was interesting because it's you know red is a very defined color yeah it's stand out very bold uh but yeah it's it's
0: it's just really cool.
1: <laughs> There's a lot to be gathered. There's a lot to be like dug through. There's, uh, you can make a lot of your own inferences on things. And, we
0: uh, uh, we're clearly English majoring the heck out of this book good. because it just it tell it lends to it, you know. Mm-hmm.
1: But yeah, it's it's. I found it really interesting that home for him is the only thing that's like fully colored. Yeah, I you agree. know what I mean. Like even when you see, there's a brief flash where you see, like I said, his wife and two kids watching king kong on like a screen out in the uh out in like a courtyard in the village and even that flash even though he's still in america i just got done with world war one and he's still in america with the harsh lines and all the gray and the white um that two panel sequence is fully colored again yeah so it's his home is always fully colored i also thought that i thought that particular flash was really interesting because it's like one of the only times we see him not involved he's having a memory that he wasn't a part of yeah you know and uh which he must have been told he must have been told and it's it's you know again that goes with kind of the interpretive nature of memory and it goes with like you know him latching on to very specific things like why was this something that he latched like was he told this in a letter and it made him feel particularly homesick like what was what about that stood out to him? Why was that of value to include in this kind of collage of his life? Um, super cool. It's it's a really neat book.
0: I love that, that memory, the King Kong memory, like you said, because he's not involved in it because, you know... You and I have been together for a really long time. And there are stories that you have told enough that I now can tell those same stories that had nothing to do with me. And to me, it's almost like I was there because I know them so well. So it's probably like that King Kong story. Something happened. One of the kids got scared or something. And it's a story that they tell over and over again. She has told so many times that now it's a part of him. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really cool because it's another one of those instances where it's like you adopt someone else's memory because you know it so well. And I totally have those. <laughs> and mm-hmm. So it's just, it's cool. It Like you said, it's just a cool adaptation of memory.
1: Yeah. I like it. It's, it's very cool. <laughs> it's, very, it's very artistic. It's very well done. It I love how they open it. Like, I mean, they open it with kind of the foreword that gives you the rundown of jazz and blues and the evolution of such in America, as well as the evolution of like Italian communities in America. And then it opens with a shot of space because um, clearly he has some sort of attachment to, uh, when, uh, Yuri Gregarian? Yes. Was, uh, shot into space. Because that's part of, that's the article that he's reading when he's looking at his granddaughter on the beach. Which I think is supposed to be one of the last times that she saw him. And then it opens with a shot of the ocean. And it kind of pulls across pages. Brings the... Statue of Liberty, into view, and then we dive into the story. And then as it ends, it does the same thing in reverse. It shows the ocean, shows his face, and then it pulls away into nothingness to what I'm assuming is the coast of Italy, or supposed to be, you know, returning home. So the whole book itself takes place in that space between New York and Italy, uh, and filling the gap between those two homes. And I just thought that was really cool. It's neat. It's it's one of the more artistic pieces that we've done on this show. Go get this book. Uh, it's really cool. We own Notes on a Life. This is printed by Image. Uh, it is a sixteen ninety nine trade paperback. If they made a hardcover, I would own it because it's very it's very, very good.
0: Yeah, it's a really nice book.
1: Highly, highly recommend.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. This is one of those that this is one of those books that's feels very uh like highbrow and artistic you can really like <laughs> yeah. reckon you know you could recommend it to someone and be like yeah you should read Leo, but you know, you know? With, <laughs> it, with it
1: being as interpretive as it is it leaves it open to readers of all types so absolutely have to be like you know are you a hoity-toity read this book oh no um no, uh, no of course. but uh <laughs> really super cool it's a great use of the medium they they the creators truly understand the graphic medium and how to use it and it just you could it drips with that and you could just feel it throughout that these people these people know exactly where they want to take you as they're taking you along and from front to back you're just on this journey with this guy uh worth a read pick it up absolutely no it's not a life that's going to do it for us. Uh, thank you so much for listening. If you want more episodes of Cover B, including other graphic novelties that we've done, uh, you can find them on our website, coverbepodcast.com.
0: That's right. You can also follow us on social media, at Cover Bee Podcast, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.
1: I hope everyone has a good weekend. Make sure that you're keeping an eye on our website for our various blog posts that we've been doing lately. We've been yeah. doing... Uh, books that have been coming out as well as reviews of each of the individual episodes of She-Hulk and we might have even more blog posts coming up uh, so make sure that you're checking those out on our website. That's right. Uh, Again, thank you for being here. As always, I have been Chris. This has been T. You know it. And you have been listening to to Cover Cover B.
0: Bye everybody.